welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know that they translate. I guess first, let's start off with a huge congratulations. Takiva, he's celebrating one year. Um, the reason we're here is to be able to get to a year sobriety, and then two years, and then three years, and then four, and then so on and so forth, one day at a time. You know, to bring our lives back together. And just ten seconds, you know. Akiva is somebody who is a special part of our recovery, somebody who does tremendous amount of service for the group, somebody who, somebody is humble enough to be willing to take direction to the point of like even asking if he should celebrate today because it's not about him, it's about the group. And that's how you get sober a year, by not making it about you. My whole life, my, my masturbation, my porn was mine. It was secretive, it was hidden. It was, it was my stash, it was my girls and my fantasy. I could be driving to Brooklyn and I got my girl sitting on the side. She's not there, but I got her. I could be talking to my wife, but I have a different wife with me. And um, Akiva, you know, watching your journey, I wish they could be literally like they have, you know, the before and after pictures of a guy losing, you know, 75 pounds. I wish you could have seen the before Akiva and the now Akiva. And that's really going to be, you know, the next meeting, step two. So congratulations, and it's, it's really special. I wish everybody could share about you. Maybe Tomorrow. we could do it a, a different day. But really, congratulations. <laughs> so today's meeting, I found for myself, is one of the key elements to recovery. How do we get rid of shame? The difference between sexualism and the difference between our addiction and other addictions, it's a shame-based addiction. I think I'm going to also start off asking everybody to put away their cell phones and let's really be grounded here because we're going to want to run. Trust me, we're going to want to leave, go to the bathroom. Shame. So we're going to do everything but be here. So let's for once and for all like get like really, really present and grounded. So the, the shame base that we carry different than everybody else, I know, I know Shell talks about this a lot, is you could, you could walk out there in the world and tell somebody you're an AA and they'll give you a huge hug and a high five and it means you're like, you know what I mean? You're somebody like enormously special, you know? The AA guy could even go into the bar and drink a Coke and tell everybody else that he's sober in AA and everybody will be like, wow. I don't recommend walking into a whorehouse or a strip club and say, you know, I didn't masturbate in, uh, you know, X amount of time. Nobody is exactly giving you a round of applause. Or if you, you know, decide to like, 
just let everybody know after Kiddush by Shul that, you know, I'm celebrating. You're not getting a round of applause. It's a very shame-based disease. If we could visualize for a second the moment after the masturbation, not the moment before. The moment before, it's like I'll, I'll murder somebody to get my drug. The second after, there's that feeling of like, I want to rip my, I want, we're just dying. There's a feeling of like, again, I'm back to this place. There's a feeling of like, but I promised, I promised 12 minutes ago I'm not going to do this. I fasted all day not to do this. I gave so much charity not to do this. I, I, and I'm back here. Very shame-based. Especially the things we have done. What makes us a sexaholic different than everybody else is that everybody else, shockingly enough, if they take an action, whether it's masturbating or watching porn or, or going to a, a prostitute, shockingly enough, you could ask these people, they say it felt good. Sexualism, the difference is, is after we act out, we feel like shit. During the acting out, we don't feel good anymore. I remember in early recovery, Harvey telling me, if you could still masturbate and enjoy it, go masturbate and enjoy it. I don't enjoy it anymore. That's why I'm part of SA. That's what the book means. There was a turning point where we became not the cucumber anymore, but the pickle. We're just different. There's a sourness to it. It just doesn't feel good. You know the feeling when you're sitting in a meeting and you know even at the meeting you're about to like do something stupid after the meeting? There's so much shame. I remember in early recovery talking to my sponsor on the phone. I'm not going to act out today. Clicking on like nudity, you know? <laughs> There's so much shame we carry. You know? And the list goes on. It's a, such a shame-based <coughs> disease. The shame doesn't allow us to come into the meeting and be honest the next day. The shame doesn't allow us to come to the meeting. The shame doesn't allow us to celebrate. How many guys have celebrated and said, I really didn't want to celebrate. I wasn't in the mood of celebrating. I don't think I'm, I'm really sober. I shouldn't be. Shame, shame. It's almost like the more shame you could carry, the better you are. I won the award of shame. I've been by getting rid of shame meetings and it became like a contest. Oh, you did that? You want to hear what I did when I was acting out? That's also to cover up the shame. I can't look at you in the eyes and tell you that when I was younger, I did X, Y, and Z. I'm just being recorded now. Soon we'll shut it off. Or, 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 or. It's so shameful. I'm sober. Chaim S, yeah. Chaim S, who is sober for, for now 12 and a half plus years, has watched porn in recovery. It's shame-based. It's like, Chaim S is Chaim S, you know, you know? Like, I graduated from sexualism as, as if. Chaim S. in early recovery walked into a strip club with his head down like a bentire, you know? Like, like, you know, like somebody who doesn't look. Because I'm, I'm in sobriety. You know, because this is, this is shame. Uh, I'm not going to, I can't tell you that. Oh, my God. The reason I'm in Sexaholics Anonymous is because I have perfect recovery. I'm not addicted to sex and lust. Once I came into the meeting, I, was, I became perfect all of a sudden. Such shame we carry. 
and it doesn't allow us to recover. And then we take the action of loss and the phenomenon of craving starts, like we spoke about so many times, and then the shame kicks in. And even when I tell it to my sponsor, I'm gonna tell it to him 50%. Like if your sponsor doesn't realize, like you're BSing, you know what I mean? It's like going over to your teacher and saying, I have a friend that has a problem with masturbation, I'm trying to help the guy. Your teacher and you both know we're talking about you. But we carry shame. And then I have to share with my wife, and, uh, uh, and I'm day one again. Uh. Everything is shame. And then you get to a place where years of sobriety, and it just happens to all of us. You take that action of lust, and it's like, the whole program doesn't work. There's that feeling of like, such guilt and shame. So wherever you are, this is a shame-based disease. And the purpose of this meeting is not for everybody to share their worst MOs, their worst acting out, and somehow, puff, no more shame. That's not how it works. The way it works is by working on shame and how to get rid of the shame. So I just want to give a few tools on how to get rid of shame. And in my experience, what worked. The first tool and the white book talks about this maybe for 10 straight pages, is the word that we talk about in recovery, but we have no clue what it means, and that's called surrender. <coughs> surrender means I absolutely, 100% completely, give up. Totally just let go. When they were debating to use the word surrender, some people said don't use the word surrender because nobody even knows what it means. The definition of surrender is I give up, I let go, I'm done. Let me show you what not surrender is, what I did for years in recovery. Can you take this for me? Take it. No, seriously. <laughs> That's called not surrender. So the sponsor pulls it out, but I never got it, gave it up. Or the sponsor just holds on to it and doesn't pull. Just hold on, but don't pull. And then the sponsor thinks, and the, and the sponsee thinks, that he gave up. Now why is that critical? Why is that critical, the, the letting go absolute? Why is that a necessity to completely entirely let go? Why does that have to do with shame? You know the feeling when you're on the phone with the sponsee and you like have a meeting with this girl in business, or you're going to a store to pick something up, you're making a phone call, like I surrender, I'm walking into a grocery store, and I know there's gonna be a woman there, I just wanna to call to surrender, and give up, and let go. And in your mind, you know you're sitting in the car even before walking into the store for 10 minutes, to check out who's passing by. Because that you never gave up, you told them when I'm in the store. Letting go means saying, I am right now in the parking lot. I'm looking at women getting in and out of their car. I'm looking up their skirt. I am getting triggered. I surrender the right to do anything here. I don't know if I belong going into the store. Should I get out of here? Help. Not, hey sponsor, you know what I'm doing? I'm surrendering, or fellow member in recovery, and I'm letting go. And, and I just ask God to keep me sober when I'm in the store. And then you walk into the store and it's like, 
strip club, here we are. The difference is everybody's just wearing clothing, so I have superpowers called x-ray vision, but here we go shopping for milk. And I surrendered. This is called surrender. Let go. Now, why is that so relevant for when it comes to shame? This is critical. So listen carefully. It's a little bit deep. Surrender, giving up completely means I stop fighting. You know what my brain tells me? I'm a loser. You're giving up? Every motivational speech in the world is about we don't give up. We fight. We persevere. We're going to build up strength. We're going to make it. Losers give up. If you, gave, if you miss 10 shots, you're going to make the 11th. Keep at it. Now we come into the program, we're like, give up. You're basically shredding everything I learned my entire life. Take control over your life. But here I am, and I'm fighting, and I'm fighting, and I'm fighting, and I'm fighting, and I'm not giving up on my entire life. I'm not going to act that, I'm not going to act that, I'm not going to act out. And I'm acting out. That, right there, is the key of shame. I'm fighting and fighting because the world keeps telling me, fight it, fight it, learn more, pray more. Um, uh, at one point in recovery, I would masturbate in order not to go to the strip club because I realized the strip club is worse than masturbation. So I did everything in order not to act out. Tried a little bit harder. I had a situation in early recovery. I was sober for like two and a half years. I walked into a rabbi's office. I told the rabbi like what I'm doing and so on and so forth. And he said, because you're not trying hard enough. Like on the bottom of every epoca, with a little bit more effort, <laughs> you will succeed. Because <clears throat> you're not trying hard enough. If you only listen to me, the rabbi said, and you will follow my directions, I guarantee you a beautiful life on this world and in the next world. <laughs> How many of us tell ourselves that message? The problem isn't that you're powerless. The problem is just a little bit more. Gotta understand the program a little bit better. I, I, a little bit more. A little bit more, I'm not powerless. A little bit more, I'm powerful. A little bit more, I'm powerful, I'm not powerless. I just got to throw this in for the kicker. It's not my ego that I'm saying this. It's just important for everybody to know this. I turned around to the rabbi and I said to him, I said, if you're willing to sign away your next world's life, that if I do what you're saying and it's true, you'll give it up, then I am willing to follow your direction. He stood up and hugged me and said, please go do what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> The reason that story is so relevant, do we really recognize how sick we are and how badly we need to give it up? When it even clicked for the rabbi, he was able to, 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 to give it up. He was able to let go. When his life was on the line, do I view that my life is on the line? And as a result of my life being on the line, I'm able to let go. It is so critical with shame. 
Because so long as we're sitting in this program and fighting to stay sober, and we have a game plan on how to stay sober, and I'm going to meet with this person before the meeting or after the meeting, and there's a whole, I am going to work this program of recovery. Why am I different than pre-programmed? It's all again about the efforts and the energy that I'm putting in to stay sexually sober. The fight is where the shame comes in. Do you look at a guy, shame comes in when there's a capability of me fighting against this person or this thing and winning. And I lost, then it's shame. Basketball. I think I'm better than the guy. The guy thinks he's better than me and I lost. I walk away, I feel shame. What do you mean? I'm better than the guy. Why did I lose? Do I think I'm better in this case scenario, stronger than my lust that I lost against it and therefore I'm beating myself up? Like if I have a choice not to lust? Didn't the program teach me that I am powerless over lusting? That means I don't have a choice? That means I automatically lose? Do we look at a guy who walks down the street and there's 10, there's a gang of 10 with guns, machetes and all coming against him. Do we look at the guy who just picks up his hands and says, I surrender, here's my wallet, here's my keys, here's my car, here's my everything. And the guys leave him alone and he walks away. Is he a loser or is he a winner? Or this guy's like, I took kickboxing when I was a kid, you know, I, I, I met a guy who taught me it to move, he go like this, and I figured it out, that guy first, and he gets his butt kicked in, and he's like, and then everybody looks at him and like, why didn't you just like surrender, like why, didn't, like, why didn't you just like give up, like don't you know, like, bleh? The fight is the shame. The fight is the shame. I am powerless over sex and lust means when a thought comes into my head, I have zero capability of fighting that thought. The definition of sexualism and being powerless means that when I see a girl, I don't have a choice to check her out or not, whether my wife is there or kids are there. The definition of sexualism means with out power 100% I don't have a choice so much so that Harvey taught me that till the rest of our life till three days after we're dead we're going to be talking about sex and lust you got a choice either to talk about it in the negative energy in the in the causing people to do things that are below the level of normal hurting people, damaging lives, causing chaos in the world through sex and loss, or till three days after you're dead, you're gonna be talking about the spiritual energy of healing families, of healing people, of healing yourself. A higher level of sex and energy of lust in a positive way, but I am so powerless, I will always be talking about sex and lust. Well, now I came into program and it's like, don't say the word vagina, I mean, when you use the word breast, I was, I was, I was checking a girl out, don't, making me uncomfortable. It's like, it's creepy. You know what I mean? <coughs> Harvey told me the other day, a guy told him, please don't say the word, you know, fuck, when you talk to me. A guy told this to Harvey. Harvey said, I just want to know when you're watching porn, you put it on low, you, you don't listen, like, you, you, like, like, <laughs> like, 
We're such twisted minds. There's nothing wrong technically. We're not talking Jewish. There's nothing wrong with that word if it's used appropriately. If it, I don't want to get into the whole... I need to talk a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way. There's a lost energy that will always be there for the positive, for the negative. The first key fundamental thing when it's getting over shame is recognizing if I'm in the fight, I lost. Point number two, and then we'll open up the floor. I'll, I'll explain how we'll do the sharing. I need to get to a place in recovery where I, Chaim, did not do all that acting out behaviors. If I am powerless, then how did I do it? I am powerless. Powerless means I didn't have a choice. Did I do something I didn't have a choice to do? I have 5% choice. I have 5% shame. I had a choice not to. 5% I had a choice yes to. So I carry 5% shame. Somehow that 5% shame overrules the 95% of not shame. And the 5% shame defeats the entire shame. The entire surrender, the entire... 95% of me feeling powerless. It could even be 1%, by the way. If I truly believe I'm a sexaholic, if I truly believe I'm powerless, powerless means I am without power. I did not do my step one. It was very healing for me to hear that. You know who did my step one? God. That's why we tell God, give me, get rid of my character defects. That's why we tell God, heal me from lust and from sex. That's why we put this whole program onto God. I didn't do it. You did God. You made me the sexaholic. You made me powerless. I take responsibility, which is a fine line we could debate until, until we act out. So I advise you not to debate it and try to figure it out because you can't. You either accept it or you act out. And worst case scenario, I'm wrong and you stay sober the rest of your life and you have a happy life. Worst thing that's going to happen. You lived your life in a lie of staying sexually sober and being happy and raising a beautiful family. A beautiful family. Worst thing that could happen. If I am powerless, I did not do my step one. My step one was done through me, with me. How many of us had moments where we felt the powerlessness? To the point that it's like, stop! And I'm still doing it. It's like, I'm screaming within and without. What are you doing? You know you do this, you atom bomb your life, and you do it. And what happens is you stay sober 30 days, 60 days, 90, a year, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but I got this managed. And you get kicked in the butt, and then you go on a roller coaster. I'm powerless means I don't. Even so much, I'll say, even in recovery, with all the tools of recovery, when you take an action on lust, it's because you're powerless. Why are you shaming yourself over it? You don't have a choice. You have a choice to work the program. You have a choice to come to meetings. But even that, why would you shame yourself about it? You're going to do it again. So a key, key element of recovery is to get into our head, surrender, 
There's about 10 pages of that in the white book. Strongly recommend reading. And key number two is recognizing that God wrote our step one. Stop shaming ourselves. I didn't have a choice to do these actions. This is how I was wired. God created events in my life that led me to a place that I could not cope with life under life's conditions. And the only way I knew how to cope with it, and it's a little weird to say this, was God giving me a gift of keeping me alive through sex and lust. Like I heard from old timers, thank your sex and lust for keeping you alive to bringing you to a place that you could recover from sex and lust in order to start living. If I didn't have sex and lust in my life, I would have blown my brains out. I couldn't stay on this world. I'll prove it to you. Because even till today, there are moments of weakness that I need my drug of choice or I feel I'm going to blow my brains out. And we all feel that. So we learn and program to go to God and to go to program. But why can't I just live without my lust? What's the problem? Because life became so unmanageable and so insane and so much trauma and pain and confusion and blah, I can't live on this world without it. So how do we get rid of the, 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 the shame of, of, of the actions we've taken? So I learned when I was by one of the conventions I was by, and this is what we're gonna do over here. Maybe we'll extend the meeting, we'll take a vote in the middle if people wanna stay around and share. It's a very, very important part of recovery is to surrender, is to let go of all the shame and lust that we have done. About 11, when was it, 12 years ago? We were with Harvey, me and Shmuley. We were with Harvey in, in Nashville. And we, we were going through early recovery, let's call it. And Harvey said, you guys have so much shame from your addiction, you're scared to use words of your acting out. You're scared to say the word penis and vagina and breast. You're, you're scared to talk about your lust and your sex. You're scared to say that her legs were spread apart or they were closed. You're scared to say what you're triggered at, her toenails. You're scared to, to get detailed. You think by hiding it and just saying the word lust that disappears. But the white book and the old timers that have done this for 30 years plus and in AA have proven that if you say out of your mouth what it is that you're triggered by, it won't come out of your penis. <clears throat> but it gotta come out one way or another. And you gotta get it out in detail and you'll see if you ask God, please, let me use your mouth. <clears throat> and you ask God, to, to teach you how to do it and to get it out and not trigger the other person, but let go of it, then it's taken. But anything that's staying in secrecy doesn't get taken. And you'll see when you're talking to people on the phone, try to get out of them what they're really saying. What are they really watching? What are they really looking at? And don't be worried that you're gonna get triggered if you hear what they're doing. If you're not in Sexaholics Anonymous and spiritually fit, to hear what they're saying because you, you're, you're worried. So then you be more honest than that guy is. I can't hear you. I'm not in that place. And it's a learning, it's a learning curve to learn what you could hear and can hear. So I asked people like Harvey and old time, so what do you do if you feel you're getting triggered? They said, I asked him to get detailed and then I put down the phone. I said, isn't that embarrassing for that guy? He goes, no, I'm allowing him to talk to God. 
I'm allowing him to get rid of it. I'm giving him space. And every once in a while, I peek in. Oh yeah, really? Cool. But let him get rid of it. I need to be able to get rid of it. And what I found, for especially those people that are sober for a few years in recovery, in early recovery, what kills you is the lions. The lions is what kills you in early recovery, meaning the big energy of lust. That girl, that emotional thing that's taking you over. When you get sober for a few years in recovery, it's the mosquitoes, I like to say, that kill you. It's a little thing that I'm leaving out of my lust. It's that holding on to that little thing. I remember in my office once, walk, uh, looking out of the window, and I saw this lady with her feet outside of the window crossed, and I saw her toenails were red. It took me over, like if I was watching porn. I carried shame about that. I'm not gonna tell you that. Like, that's so not like, like we want emos. Like, come on, <laughs> give me something juicy. So when we're talking about lust, I need to get rid of that. Those toenails were driving me bananas. But I'm still not telling you the truth. What I wanted to do is leave my office, walk over to the window, and ask her if I could lick her toenails. Back and forth. That's what I want to do. I want to lick her toenails. Why? I have no fucking clue. Because I'm a sex addict. I don't do this in a normal way. <coughs> Whatever that's supposed to mean. So... What we need to do is that, Shmuley just reminded me, it's very important when you do it, when you get rid of the, the lust and the energy of, of our MOs and what we still have plans of doing or think we're doing it, is when I was doing it together with Shmuley, so Harvey put me against like Shmuley like this, we were standing up against each other like, like this, and I was sitting there going like this and like this, and Harvey asked me to like put down my hands, relax. Stand, be in your own element, present, let go, let it go. And look at the person in the eyes and share it and just let it go. It takes the energy away. And you'll see if you do that on phone calls, if you do that on, 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 on real surrender, this is too powerful for me to carry. When I'm making the phone call, the phone calls don't work. If, it, if while I'm checking out the girl and my wife's on the other line and I'm busy and I'm shopping and I, I just want to spend a rest. You didn't do anything. It's better than nothing, but the level of surrender, of letting it go and getting rid of the shame is sitting back and being, being almost like, it's weird to say this, but being okay being a sexaholic. Being embracing it, fake it until you make it is what I'm basically getting at. So let's, let's shut the recorder off right now so we could get a little bit. Um... I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.